0: Grab your friend by the hand. Buddy, like, give me some of that. Grab your friend by the hand. Damn. buddy, like, give me some of that. Grab your friend by the hand. Damn. buddy, like, give me some of that. Grab your friend by the. Kidding. Welcome back to Bad Interview, Mike. I am Mike. You are you. Welcome. We continue our next part of the scuba diving mini series, We return to the beaches of Utila, Honduras as the weary traveler with his hurt feet finally gets to see the Caribbean for the first time in a long time. And I had a dive mask, uh, I had a scuba mask and a brand new snorkel, so I wanted to try that out, but I had a really large beard and i didn't realize that i needed to shave my upper lip because it was just way too big so the water got in my mask while i was out there and so i swam out i I went on the dock and i jumped off into the water and hadn't in swam in the ocean in a while so it was very kind of just jarring and i got some water in my mouth and really the water's super salty and it's it's warm as warm as bath water it's like hot bath water, actually. And you look down and you realize it's 50 to 60 feet down there. You know, you're deep. And we swam out just out off the dock. So Neptune's has a sandy beach. You get to it on a dock that's kind of behind it. And then there's a, a nice area there to lay out on the beach if you want to. You can throw a frisbee with the dog or whatever. And. They have a bar and a restaurant there. The people are very friendly. So it was really cool to hang out there during the day. I went there twice while I was there. I also visited the Water Key, which is about a 15-minute boat ride from the island. And that's the original key where the aboriginals lived in the early days of before the Spanish got there for the Spanish galleons and the pirates and the early conquerors and explorers, whether it was Soto Cortez, you know, Magellan, you know, all kinds of different explorers have come and gone through these waters. It's a literal treasure trove of history. And you get that sense too. You get the sense that this place is really old. So I go out in the water and I'm with a guy who is he's diving down to the coral reef nursery. And I think that's pretty cool. And he starts talking about just the college of diving that's on the island, the Bay Islands College of Diving. And I said, That you learn how to do that there? He's like, No, that's free diving. He's like, I just learned scuba through them. And I was like, Well, I want to go with the most professional outfit here, you know, and his recommendation was them and I I took it. When I was out there with him, we were diving down a little bit. And I tried diving down. I probably went down 10, 10 feet or something or eight feet, not, not, probably not that deep. And little did I know that I, like the next day I would take an intro scuba course and then they would bring me right out on the boat that same day for my first dive, which was crazy. It's it's a crazy experience. It was the best thing I've ever done. I, I want to go back and do it again. It's, It's a bug for sure. So I'm going to be going to be doing this podcast and tracking my dives. I want to dive in Lake Michigan and other places around Michigan. So I really want to get into that once I heal my feet up. So the good thing about my feet is I had a really good week. I will quickly tell you the story. It's going to get off the scuba thing, but I, my doctor said I need to put a 10s unit on either side of my ankles on both feet for a couple hours a day need he he has different inserts already for my shoes I returned the old inserts and got $1,500 back I got hired yesterday for a job at true green and I also got some special gel that's on the way to me from the doctor so between all those things it's helped a lot and I'm healing so I want to get more scuba certifications while I'm here, and I've even thought about a small company, about maybe opening a small company, just a website with with uh, a design that I'm thinking for maybe maybe if I can create my own custom uh, clips for scuba masks. So I have an idea, but I'll, I'll I'm keeping that to myself for now. So. I go from Neptune's back and we have a rap battle back at the dock it was funny that they they said oh you're from Michigan like Eminem you know and so I was doing a little bit of rap and they thought that was cool and we were just having a blast we were just it was just a really cool experience there was not a lot of tourists and then the next day that same day I I went to the College of Diving and signed up and found out that uh, I could do it so I show up the next day, I don't know anything. I see some equipment, I have no idea how to use any of this stuff. And my dive instructor shows up and he's a he's a Dutchman. He's a good good guy and very professional. I'll keep all their names anonymous, but he's like, "Guys, scuba is very simple." Okay, you got the tank. You got this, you got that. He's like, "You know, if it's very safe. He's like, "I have 6,000 dives safely." And he made you feel at ease the moment you started the process. And because there is a bit of a, of a, I think a selling point to scuba where you have to kind of softly sell that, that system without irritating someone because the phobias of water and the phobias of everything are tough to overcome for some people. And I know for sure when I first got in the water, I didn't kind of understand how the BCD worked and I was f- kind of flailing around, didn't have a lot of control. And then after, you know, a couple times out it's, but it's definitely a learning curve for sure. And if you don't have your own gear and you really want to get with the people who are local to anywhere you're going to dive, these are just safety tips, paddy, basic Patty safety tips. You know, you want to have an orientation. Hey, look, remember, there's this over here. There's a giant fishing net over here. Don't get caught in it. You know, if you're going to be diving in dark water that you've never dove before, you know, that's something that you want to do. You can dive alone, but it's not recommended ever. I think it's stupid, but that's just my opinion. could be an amateur opinion. So I go to the school and I'm taking this class. And we get in the water and I find out that the dive buddy I'm with that day, she's there for a couple days, but she's deathly afraid of water and she's getting over a phobia. I thought that was super like powerful to me. And I was kind of getting over a, I think I have bottom anxiety. So when we're out there, I'm okay when everyone's in the water, but I get some bottom anxiety when uh, I'm in blue water. I don't know what's below me. And it would probably freak me out or I'd have a heart attack if even if a dolphin, a friendly dolphin showed up, you know, it would be terrifying to me. But then again, I've never had that happen. So, you know, I didn't see a single shark out there and the dive instructors, no, they're like, no, dude, you're fine. Don't don't worry out here. So that really put me at ease. And here we go. So we take the training class put on the BCD and we get in the water and I will never forget this moment in my life when he said, okay, got your masks on, put your regulator in your mouth, take a breath and go under. And so I went under and I put all the, I hit my, um, my BCD deflator, I started deflating going down and I hit my knees and started to kind of figure out how to hover a little bit. You know, I just basically went down to our knees and we started out in the shallows. They want it, they start you out, they start you out on land first. So you're on land, you're using your regulator, you're doing the stuff, you know how to use it. And then you get in the water and they start you off in like a cup. I mean, you can drown in an inch of water So they want to make sure you don't panic and freak out. So they start you getting familiarized with with submerging your face in the water and getting going down because that is something I loved to do. The descent is always my favorite part. Uh, But the night descent really got me. I mean, I could see below me, but it, it was like 50 feet down. I don't know about it was a 55 to 60 foot dive. I think we stopped at 62 feet, but when I dove at night and everyone was submerged watching everyone disappear and then just disappearing myself, it felt like uh, you were melting into a special world that you were like privileged to be able to go experience, which is true, but it's an, it's almost an allegor, allegor uh, allegorious example or analogous or an uh, allegorious example of just how cool it was to be like all right check the boat check this 3 point descent and have a good dive and all of a sudden you hear <laughs> and then you, suddenly your your ears can't hear anymore and all you're hearing is tink tink you can hear on the on the instructor's tank the instructor's will take a metal pin and it's a bop. it's like a big thick pin and they'll hit the back of their tank making a sound so you're hearing some clicks like hey look at me are you okay yeah i'm okay and then you start to descend and people don't realize that the first 15 to 20 feet is the only place where there's pressure so when you're diving and you're you're descending you're doing three things you're breathing in and out that's one you're equalizing every three to four feet or less. Every couple of seconds, you're taking the, the, you're clearing your mask. So you have to equalize the space in your mask and inside of your pressure sensitive head. So those first 20 feet, you are equalizing your mask, breathing in and out and simultaneously um, holding your nose and unplugging your ears. But once you get below about 12 to 15 feet, it's not a problem. You're home home free almost. Normally when I get down to 30 or 45 feet, I have to equalize um, again. But I normally just do it standardized all the way down till I'm down. And then I, I don't go down too fast because what you do is if you're going down and you go down too fast, you can burst your eardrum so you have to equalize your ears you have to equalize your stuff and so you're equalizing and if you have a problem you go you point at your ear and then you wave your hand back and forth which means ear problem and then you you go like this with your fingers like you're gonna swim up so you're gonna swim up a couple inches you're gonna equalize and then you're gonna go back down and you're gonna keep equalizing all the way down so What that does is you have gone up a couple of inches in the water and that changes the atmospheric pressures. So every 10 feet you go down, you're affected by more atmospheres is what we call it. These are called atmospheres of pressure. If you don't equalize your mask and you don't equalize your ears, you can suffer a mask blowout where your mask breaks into your face or it squeezes your forehead so much that you Break a blood vessel in your face. Consequently, I was introduced to the diving community by going to a dive school down the road from mine. It's on the other side of the it's on the other side of the, the island. And I'm sitting there having a burger, and the guy next to me has black eyes because he suffered a mask blowout. Like he he suffered a, what we call a squeeze. Like I said, you have to equalize the pressure in your head and your ears. And he was free diving, so that was uh, pretty pretty scary. I was like, "Wow, that's uh, that doesn't look good, dude. Really not good at all." So it's very important to not drink before you dive, to take care of yourself, and never dive, you know, intoxicated. Like I see some of these jokers out there diving intoxicated and it's uh it's stories i hear you know and it's it's one of the causes of uh the bends you know edema pretty much you know you can you can have a lot of problems so it's you either choose to dive safe or i don't think you should dive at all so we go out there and we're in the shallows and we're fumbling around and There's a tiny seahorse, and I've never seen a seahorse underwater. But I remember very vividly that I did not understand buoyancy very well when I first went out. So I was kind of bouncing off bottom and didn't understand how to really kind of dive yet. It's like being uh, your own submarine. We used to go onto the dock, too. There's There's a dock there at the college, and... They have uh, all kinds of fish under the dock. It's just beautiful. It's just just beautiful. There's the food inside of the, the lodge there, and they've got really nice accommodations for a dive trip. And it makes a lot of sense. People should know this. When you are a scuba diver, you want to make sure that they follow all the safety protocols, and they do. It's also important to smell your oxygen because there have been incidences in Thailand and a couple other places where people's oxygen was bad and they went down and they got really sick because it wasn't filled correctly. So you want to make sure you check and smell your oxygen before every dive. Check both your regulators before every dive. You know, these are things that you can do to keep yourself safe and every ounce of a prevention is is worth it. So, so I went to the dive school, we did the training and then there was a guy on the island and I won't say his name, but he said, I highly, highly recommend that you do the advanced course also. And he was a a British guy. So I was like, all right. So I did the intro course and then I did the advanced course, but let's back up. Let's go back to the first time. Let's go back to the first time that I'm scuba diving. So we finished the training for the intro to scuba, and we're doing drills in 17 feet of water. We're doing basic safety protocol drills. These are drills that any diver must know before they go out into open water. It's just you have to know this stuff, and you're responsible for your own safety. So we do drills such as take your mask off then put it back on and clear it you got to know how to clear your own mask and it's not that hard it's you get used to it it just takes practice we did drills where your mask theoretically gets knocked off you lose your regulator you recover it using a certain maneuver and then if you can't recover it you switch to your secondary and your your third stage, I think they call it, and you go from there. So we had to know those procedures. and I never opened my eyes underwater because I really didn't want to get the salt in them. So you have to take your mask off on some of the drills while you're hovering, swim in a big semicircle, and then come back, lose your regulator, regain it, put your mask back on, clear it, say you're good to go very fascinating very fascinating journey the the most scared i think i was i really got a ooh a really a gut check was when they said okay we're going to simulate two things when they simulated me losing oxygen we were at 12 feet we were hovering and they said we want you to hover and then we're going to hold on to you and we we're going to go five we're going to count backwards from five, four, three, two, one. And then you're going to breathe in. And then we're going to go, we're going to cut your oxygen off. So I breathe out. And then I had no oxygen, no breath. Like So I was like, I'm out. And then my buddy, he comes over with oxygen and puts it over his shoulder. Now he's, he was supposed to have it. Uh, with a smile down on the, on it. So I, when I, I made sure to check and it, it was the wrong way. So I had to, I had to take a second and flip it around. So I, I just thought about that and wondered, I wonder if I was panicking, if I would remember to do that. You know, I think about different things like that, you know, you could be looking at a piece of coral and suddenly get hit by uh, a drift of some kind or some kind of riptide Maybe you get caught up on a wild animal somehow, you know. There's a lot of things that could happen to you down there. It's not like it's choreographed. There's not, oh, now this school of fish is going to come by, or, oh, a giant barracuda. Let me tell you something, and this ain't no shit. I I saw a barracuda attack our bait when we were fishing, and the size of that barracuda, I thought it was a shark, and finding out that it was a barracuda was crazy. But we did see those down there. The thing about the animals in the ocean, you have to remember, is that they're all demonized. They're not there to get you. They're living their life. They don't care about you. You just have to stay out of their way and don't look like like their predator or their prey. You know, just be neutral. They said be neutral. You know, don't don't go, if you see something hanging out, don't go and aggravate it don't try to put your finger by it don't try to do anything like that just observe and what I saw down there was the really the thing that got me the most was the the color the color of the way the coral looked it looked like it was dusted in gold it looked like solid gold and red crazy purples the craziest light pinks and light purples you'll ever see the hues you just don't see hue colors like that dark deep deep purple deeper purple than your your eye can even register and you start to realize that everything down here is more evolved than we are they say that don't they theorize that the earth came from the ocean that everything came from the ocean well that would make a hell of a lot of sense wouldn't it the ocean is like 70 percent of earth's land mass 75 72 percent so it would make sense that when you see these abilities such as the ability to squirt ink the ability to camouflage oneself and completely change your skin cells Those are proof of evolutionary traits. And if you don't believe it, you're stupid. I'm sorry. Sorry, but not sorry. I'm not going to apologize to you. That's the one thing we got to stop doing in this country is we got to stop apologizing to people that are stupid. We have to move forward in this country. So we need to make sure that we have science and math and not uh, hobgoblins and nonsense. We need, to, we need to return to common sense, and we need to return to moral values. That being said, so we went on our first couple dives. I dove 11 dives in 10 days. Did three dives in one day to include a morning wreck dive. Then I did a navigation dive at about 70 feet, and and that was an open water And then we did a night dive. So there was a lionfish hunt. I didn't go on. I do kind of regret that. But I don't think I really wanted to do that because I kind of had a phobia. See, I had watched these videos where people were lionfish hunting and sharks came up behind them and, and hit them in the arm, you know, because they, they had blood in the water. And I don't know. I just, ah, I don't like touching them. I don't like looking at them. But I would like to go on one. Uh, I just didn't get around to it. And I was pretty tired that day. I didn't realize how much scuba diving just takes out of you. It just takes so much out of you as far as your, your, I remember, my mental state. So think about this. I'm soaked every day. I'm soaked and I have bad feet. But for the first time ever in two and a half years, I'm not on my feet and they're not compressing so much and the flippers are helping the nerve. So that and the water and the sunshine and the tequila and the beer and the beach and the food and the lack of gluten and the freshness of the food. I was losing weight at a rapid pace. I mean, we were in the water for the equivalent of three hours, two hours a day, not to include training, you know, swimming. And it's just really good for you. I really believe that diving has a lot of uh, good things for your health. Look at a guy like Jacques-Yves Cousteau. Jacques Cousteau is a personal hero of mine. And Jacques Cousteau lived a long time maybe it's because he breathed the compressed oxygen you know like maybe it's because he was uh preserved from going down there but it seemed to keep him going a long time it's, it's, his story is very sad it's kind of tra- a tragic story but not really but they just the end of his life was kind of kind of sad to watch that he couldn't he would see the dive sites that he dove in the 40s and 50s you know now in the 80s and 90s were dead zones and their faces were burning off because the chemicals and the water from the oil companies dumping, dumping all kinds of stuff in there was really just burning them alive. They were like, we had to get out of the water. And 30 years before that, when he was a young guy, uh, now he's in his 70s, he's like 70 years old. And they're like, you're like, wait, Mike, isn't that too old to dive? Uh, no, there's like an 80 year old woman that goes scuba diving in, in Honduras. So there's a lot of things people don't know. That's why I started this podcast. So I'm a couple dives in, we've dove Jack's crack and I wanted to swim through it, but my dive instructor was like, no, no, you will not. And we prayed to a pillar coral. And I thought that was funny. I thought that was really funny actually. We prayed to a pillar coral. And so imagine all of us, like we look like Ghostbusters down there with masks on, with proto packs on. And we were hovering outside of with flippers on and stuff, or kind of hovering outside of this pillar coral. And now at that time, I was struggling to understand buoyancy and how to stay down. I was breathing very heavily. I was working too hard. That's what I was doing. I was working way too hard as a diver. So once I learned how to kind of hover better and everything else, it was a lot more fun. The second dive that I ever did, I went over a black coral wall and it went down straight down into the abyss. I couldn't see the bottom. But when I looked down on the far right, I'm pretty positive that I saw a giant tuna or a marlin. And I'm not even joking. It was a huge, enormous animal. I don't know what it was. If it was a swordfish, it might have been a wahoo. Might have been a wahoo but honestly it looked like a tuna and they're out there they're amazing they're they're amazing they take if you catch one of these tuna they take 2 hours to reel in they take 2 hours an hour it can take you an hour to reel one in so it's just such a cool place and we came up from the black coral wall and we were looking at the vents in the ocean and the vents were really got me the purple vents are like they look like clay pots almost there's brain coral that has little worms inside of it that have spindles that stick up and if you get close to it it goes back inside because it's a worm it lives in there it's like a web it's like a buddy whack-a-mole inside the brain and it's like dude that's how our brain works we don't have a worm inside but we have a brain and then we have signals that go out well this has signals that go out too it's an animal that lives inside you know it's, it's just cool and it looks like your brain and uh just unbelievable it, you, you know you're checking your depth and you're at first it really wasn't enjoyable i think the sixth i think the eighth dive to to 10th and 11th dive was my favorite part because they start trusting you and you trust yourself so you're pretty much able to explore and that is part two we are going to come back and we're going to finish out the trip and we're going to talk about scuba across the world in the next episode we're going to talk about different dive sites that you can attend and how addicting it is. If you like the podcast, I encourage you to become one of my subscribers. I intend on recording daily and weekly podcasts here about scuba diving, about adoption, about veterans and average Joes. The Bad Interview Mike podcast. Handmade high quality stuff. Thank you guys for listening to part two of the scuba diving mini series. We're gonna head out. Please don't forget to like, comment, and share.